CCR number 109 for April 28, 2010. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by PanthersFans.com. Cats fans, get your Carolina Panthers fixed with all the guys and gals over at PanthersFans.com. Stay up to date with all the latest news, transactions, and discussions only at PanthersFans.com. I'm ready to go, baby. D'Angelo Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission, though, still on a mission. We're going to find out how far we can push ourselves. Jake DeLong going Steve Smith, left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby! Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Darren Gant of the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald is with us to discuss the draft. And Nick Yeoman provides the fans' perspective as we pass out our grades on the team's picks. Hello. Good morning. Let's go. Let's go. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. With the 48th pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Jimmy Clausen, quarterback, Notre Dame. Down for Notre Dame, first and 10. Here's Clausen, long ball downfield. Golden Tate is out there. He has the ball inside the 20. The race is on, and Golden Tate will win it. Touchdown, Notre Dame! You know, be a part of the Panthers organization, and I just want to tell you, you guys made the best pick in the draft, and I'm going to make you guys proud. You know, my, my goal and, you know, how I'm going to take this is, you know, try to be the starter from day one, and that, that's going to be my mentality, is be the starter from day one, and, you know, whatever the coaches want me to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and then, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm good enough to play, I'm going to play, but if not, I want to do everything I can to help the team win. Now, bubble your chin straps, because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Just when we thought the draft was the biggest news, bam! Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. You know, the NFL draft was to be the big story all week with the Carolina Panthers. Suddenly on Tuesday, Chris Harris tweeted that he had been traded to Chicago, the very team that had traded him to Carolina three years ago. Originally, the story was that the Panthers received reserve linebacker Jamar Williams in return. But wait! Harris told everyone to hold that thought for a moment since he had jumped the gun. Finally, around 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, it was official. It appears the team is prepared to enter the 2010 season with Charles Godfrey and Sherrod Martin as their starting safeties. Surprises? Anybody want surprises? Try day two of the NFL Draft. Considered a sure top 15 pick entering the selection process, Jimmy Clausen saw his stock plummet as team after team passed, many of them twice. At pick 48, the Panthers took the Notre Dame signal caller off the board. Round 3 saw wide receiver Brandon LaFell of LSU selected, followed by Appalachian State quarterback Armonte Edwards. The team traded next year's second rounder to nab the Mountaineers quarterback, and they are expected to transition him to receiver at the next level. Eric Norwood, a linebacker from South Carolina, was the selection in the fourth, while the sixth gave the team Greg Hardy, a defensive end from Mississippi, David Geddes, a wide receiver from Baylor, Jordan Pugh, a defensive back from Texas A&M, and also Tony Pike, a quarterback from Cincinnati. 
yes, their third quarterback in this draft. Carolina rounded out their draft in round 7 with R.J. Stanford, a defensive back from Utah, and Robert McLean, a defensive back from Connecticut. Grades? Well, we're going to skip all that. The grades have been all over the place from those in the sports media, but you can bet the fans have their thoughts. Hello. Hello. It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. What's up, guys? This is Tommy calling in about our draft. I personally think that they will probably be taking Marty Herney up on larceny charges for stealing that draft. Um, Jimmy Clausen, absolute steal. Check uh, the uh, next pick we got, Brandon LaFell, great ball player. The Marty Edwards... Good ball player, but we probably traded away a bit much to get him. Still like the guy, though. I thought we could have got him in the fourth round. Just my opinion, but other than that, I just have to say great job. I've never been more excited about a draft for the Panthers. It's fantastic. Thanks, guys. What's up, Cat Crave Radio? Good draft overall. I'm a little torn. You know, uh, I was looking forward to seeing what Mad Mark could do this year. And uh, even though Clawson was a great value, definitely hurts that uh, Moore might not be our guy moving forward. But, uh, you know, we got some good value. Really excited to see what those receivers can do. Keep pounding. Thanks. Cat Crave, K7 Roger here. Uh, just commenting about the draft. I'm not disappointed. I, I really don't know what to think because it takes about three years to know if we're going to have anything good or not. But I'm going to have an open mind this time. I'm going to say, hey, it's, it's, it's a pretty good draft. we got a QB, three of them to be exact. The only thing I will say about a little negative was uh, Mr. Edwards from ASU uh, trading the second round next year was kind of a reach with that because I think he would have been there in the fourth. So uh, have a good day, guys. Good show. Bye-bye. We really appreciate everyone for calling in with their thoughts on the draft. You better believe it. And it's you guys. You are the reason that we do this show every week. If you want to add your voice and your thoughts to the show, give us a call on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. That's anytime, day or night. We'll let the world hear what you have to say. Call us up at 206-350-9673 and sound off. It is time once again... For the Panther Preview, uh, with us as always, our old friend, Mr. Nick Yeoman. Yeoman, what's up? John, how you doing? You know, I, I, I joked that, you know, earlier in the season I used our, uh, our, our chat conversations as therapy sessions, but I really think I need one this week. Boy, we got a lot to talk about. You know it. I mean, I, I'm going to need a, a big-time therapist because today, and thank God for modern technology, it's a wonderful thing, except that... Okay, first the tweet from Chris Harris. I've been traded. I'm going back to Chicago. Windy City, here I come. Panthers fans, you've been great. Wait, no, wait, no. Um, Sorry, I got ahead of myself. And then he finally confirms at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, so you've been traded. Let's find out for whom. We find out it's Jamar Williams who. Um, My first reaction, and I'm sorry, I know this... Maybe you should send the kids out of the room before I say this. My first reaction was something I couldn't say here because it it wasn't family friendly. But I gotta ask, what the hell are they doing in Charlotte? I don't know. I, this is this is mind boggling. This is a horrible 
absolutely horrible move. I mean, you know, there's a lot of times when your favorite team or an organization you have a lot of respect for makes a move that you don't really agree with, but, you you know, you look at it from both sides and, and you can see how, you know, okay, it's got some positives here, some negatives there. I don't understand this one. I don't understand this one bit. This is a guy that brings attitude to your defense, that hard-hitting safety. You don't come across the middle when Chris Harris is there. And if you're going to trade him for someone, you at least need to get some value. I mean, I was thinking, okay, they got Jamar Williams and then, what, uh, Chicago's second round, maybe a third-round pick, to give up basically nothing for a linebacker who is going to be doing mop-up duty and on special teams. It's just ridiculous. I, I don't understand it one bit. Um, you don't have guys. I mean, you got Charles Godfrey uh, back there who, you know what, midway through the season, he was struggling mightily. And then uh, you got Sherrod Martin, who we don't even know. So I, I just I just don't understand this move one bit. And, and uh, you got to question Herney and Fox right here because this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, even Marty Herney's statement after the, this was finally made official, I think Herney had made the statement about, of course, he said, you know, Chris has done everything we've asked him to do. Well, sure, he, yes, he has, and and maybe even a little more because he's a heck of a headhunter back there and and even told us over a year ago, he's like, yeah, I want that guy to make that catch in front of me because I want to, you know, I want to hit him. But So you've, you've, you're going to lose him, but then the statement you make about Jamar Williams is something to the effect of, well, Jamar is a, a, an excellent special teams player. He played in all 16 games last year. How many special teams guys do you need this offseason? Uh, we should have one hell of a special teams because that's what we've done all offseason is go after our special teams. How about how about D'Angelo Williams for maybe, um, how about a gunner from, say, I don't know, the 49ers? Would that would that be okay by you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, why not? You know, just pull the trigger. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it one bit. I mean, Marty Hurdy's up front. You mentioned he, he admits this guy's a special teamer, and we all know that Chris Harris is it. I mean, it, part of me thinks, okay, maybe they just had a deal when they were just loaning Chris Harris from Chicago, and, and they knew eventually they were going to have to give him back, and, and there was some under-the-table deal. But uh, it, it makes no sense. I, I feel bad. And the biggest thing is that Chris Harris, you know, you've had him on the show He's a great guy. I mean, the character, his true colors show this offseason, you know, helping in the relief effort uh, for Haiti and the earthquake happened down there. And, and to just say, oh, we're going to trade this guy. We don't want, no, we no longer want this guy on the team. I mean, I know what you do away from the field count, can't count for everything, and, and you got to treat this as a business. But the Panthers not only let a good player go, they let a great guy go. And, and that's more than anything, I'm just disappointed. I mean, here's a guy that was reaching out, and, and, uh, and he's, he and his team were trying to connect with the fans through the social media. And it's just, it's too bad that, uh, that the hitman's going for pretty much nothing. It's too bad. I, I, would, I can't wait to get down. You know, I'd love to get to that Chicago game because I know there's going to be a lot of Panthers fans booing Julius Peppers. And, uh, and cheering Chris, Chris Harris's return because I just don't understand this move one bit. And before we move on to the draft, I would like to point out to anyone that is making this point, and I know there are journalists out there making this point. They're writing this in their articles when they are, it's like, well, here's the deal, and this is what happened, this is why it happened. They always seem to point out that Chris Harris has had a knee injury, had suffered some with his shoulder last year, and at 27 years old, because that's really old in this game apparently now, um, that that made him expendable and not quite as valuable to the team. I'd like to point out that Jamar Williams, in his rookie season back in 06, played three games and was on injured reserve at the tail end of September 
thanks to a chest injury. So if we're going to talk about injuries, I mean, it seems like, you know, tit for tat on that, except that Chris Harris has never been on injured reserve. So I'm just pointing it out. That's all. I'm just pointing it out. Thank you, Marty Herney. Moving on to the draft, speaking of Marty Herney, and he looked like a just a smiling Cheshire cat. I mean, the guy couldn't have been... I've never seen a smile on his face like he had on his face last Friday after their second round pick. The guy was just giddy. I mean, happy. So, we'll break this thing down. Let's start with the second round. And the commissioner comes out, and boy, the reaction from the crowd. Your thoughts on the fall of Jimmy Clausen into the laps of the Carolina Panthers at pick 48. It. I mean, you and I had talked about it, all the experts, all the journalists, all the writers. The needs for this team were wide receiver and, uh, and pass rush across that defensive line, whether it be a defensive end or defensive tackle. And I know that you go through that, uh, you know, you go to the mentality of, okay, we're going to take the best player available. But I thought Golden Tate, Jimmy Clausen's teammate, was right there and right for the taking. And I thought he was one of these wide receivers you got to go out and get. I didn't like the pick. I, I still don't like it. I think Jimmy Clausen's got a bit of an attitude problem. I know, you know everyone said that you, you heard about that, well, people close to Notre Dame, people within the, the, uh, the team down there in South Bend, Indiana, said that the uh, attitude problem was, was just a joke, that, you know, no one, no one really thinks that. Well, of course, you know, coaches and players and teammates of Jimmy Clausen are going to say that. They're going to say the right thing. Um, I don't like the pick, though. I just I, I think this guy, maybe you can call it swagger, but I call it an attitude. I wasn't that impressed. Notre Dame, they never play anybody that good. So his numbers, you know, may be a little inflated. I know he comes from a pro style. And, uh, and you know what? If he makes the transition and he starts playing well and he starts throwing touchdowns and winning games for the Panthers, I can come around. But uh, I'm a Matt Moore guy. I mean, you know that, and uh, and I have no no problem saying that. And I just feel like it's a slap in the face to Matt Moore, who was pretty much given the keys to the franchise. Yeah, and and I gotta say, I mean, I'll give Clawson credit for a couple of things. I mean, he he did put up decent numbers with a pretty poor offensive line in front of him in Notre Dame. All three of his seasons there didn't have the best skill players around him. Really, not the best running game. I mean, you've got Golden Tate, who's a, you know, a good speed guy, especially, you know, inline speed, not necessarily in and out of, you know, football speed, but he did, he did put up some decent numbers, I'll give him that, but I, I don't know, I, I think we've, we've heard this story before, you've got the physical gifts, you know, you can play, and physically you are, you are talented, it's just, it's going to be up here, I want to see him in a huddle one time with Steve Smith, and Steve ran the wrong route. That's let me see that. I'll pay five bucks to see that. That's that's all. I guess that's all we need to say about Jimmy. But okay, round three got interesting then for real because it's not like us to uh, to really go after the offense like we did in this in this draft, especially the way we started the first three picks. We followed up the the pick with uh, in the second round with Clawson, and then picked Brandon LaFell out of LSU wide receiver had been thought of it a time or two, had been, you know, whispered that maybe he was a second rounder late first had he not blown out his knee or hurt his knee pretty severely when he was playing at LSU. So your thoughts on that uh, 78th pick in the draft with LaFell? I actually like this one. I like this one a lot better than the Clawson pick. I think Brandon LaFell, a good, good size. Uh, I, I, watching film on him, I mean, he's quick. He, he's got quick 
quick feet, uh, moving in and out of routes and cuts. I think he cuts like a guy that's probably 5'9", 5'10", rather than a guy that's 6'2". Uh, you know, I've heard the grumblings. He may not have the best of hands, and you, and you bring up the injury problems. But I think this is a solid pick. This was addressing a need uh, that the Panthers had to do. I think there were better wide receivers available in that second-round pick that they passed and took Clawson. But I think this was a solid pick. I think Brandon LaFell is going to come in and uh, help this team immediately. It may have to be as, as the number two wide receiver, but uh, if not, he's at least going to be a number three. And i got to admit, going into this draft, I was rather enamored with Armani Edwards before this thing ever started. Yeah, I liked him and wanted to see him in a Panthers uniform. True, I'll admit. And I don't think anybody could have loved him more than Darren Gant. Anyway, considering Darren is an App State uh, grad. But, so you got Armani Edwards, and his stock had risen some, but still, the, the, the last you hear is that he's probably a fourth-rounder, uh, somewhere mid-fourth, late-fourth-ish. And suddenly, the Panthers don't just surprise us and take him earlier than that. They trade up, giving up next year's second to get pick 89 away from the Jets, and take the guy at 89 overall, uh, what? Yeah, just stupid, idiotic move. I don't <laughs> like it at all. Um, you know, boy, I, I thought this was the, the bonehead move of the week. And, uh, of course, as we talked about, the Panthers one up themselves by trading Chris Harris. I don't understand this pick at all. I, I mean, to trade up, to trade a second-round pick for next year, of course, dealing with the devil, Bill Belichick, you know he's just laughing all the way, you know, stockpiling a second-round pick for, you know, a project quarterback-slash-wide receiver that the Panthers take in the third round. Your best-case scenario, he's an Antoine Randall, maybe a Josh Cribbs. Um, you know, Julian Edelman, some of these guys that we've seen play smaller college football, and uh, they transition from quarterback to wide receiver. And the guy's a winner. You can't take that away. But, you know what, Tim Tebow's a winner. I don't think he's going to do a darn thing in the league. Uh, just a, a wasted pick, in my opinion. I mean, you are not going to get results from Armani Edwards at the wide receiver position for probably another two years, if that at all. And uh, when you're picking in the third round and you're trading away a second-round pick, you've got to get value and you've got to get players that can help this team right away. And as we've seen this entire offseason, that is certainly not the game plan for the organization. They don't care about winning right now. Uh, maybe they're looking ahead, but I, I hated this pick. I thought it was just a waste, and, and, uh, and it's, it's a shame to, to trade up and let a second-round pick go for next year. Yeah, and I, I sit corrected because I did say the Jets, and you, you, you are right, it was the Patriots and not the Jets that they made the deal with, and like you said, making a deal with the devil. But I would say, you know, tell us how you really feel, but uh, you, you might. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. And then the fourth rounder, and I, at, at first blush, if you look at this pick, I mean, if, if the team wasn't necessarily set, well, sort of set at, at linebacker, you might be okay with this pick. And I guess overall, I'm not necessarily disappointed with it. It's a fourth round pick, so I don't mind using the fourth round pick on another linebacker. The problem is, I'm not sure where he's going to fit. Is he really a linebacker at the next level? Is he one of those hybrid defensive end linebacker types? It's hard to say. So if he is, he fits better in a 3-4 and not in a 4-3. So you get Eric Norwood, 124 overall in the fourth round out of South Carolina. Um, the, the guy had, he did have a pretty darn good career in playing against top-notch competition. I mean, what do you think? 
Well, I like Norwood, but I'm with you. I mean, I'm just kind of up in the air. You know, you watch film on, and boy, I mean, he can make plays, dropping back in coverage. He can pass rush. But again, does that translate over well to the National Football League? I mean, he reminds me a lot of a guy the Panthers have right now in Hiley Taylor, who was kind of an undersized defensive end, maybe uh, one of those tweeners, outside linebackers, and he really hasn't developed into much. So I like the pick initially, but when you really start thinking about it like you talked about, I don't really know where he's going to fit in. Yeah, and we've we've got some. If, we'll see if our defensive schemes change a little bit. Maybe they do some kind of hybrid thing. I doubt it because that's not necessarily uh, Ron Meek's thing. He's a four three guy. Maybe he's got something up his sleeve. I really hope so. Wear long sleeves, Ron. Long, long sleeves if you're going to use this kid. We'll see if he can uh, make the squad. Maybe even who knows? Start. We don't know. So we'll we'll see. But there's six more picks to go. Uh, we'll come back and get to those in just a minute. Don't forget we're going to be talking to Darren Gant. Uh, before we take the break, uh, don't forget the newsletter. A little technical issue last week. Had a newsletter. The newsletter didn't go out. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes technology goes over my head. I, you know, I'm kind of like Steve Smith. I'm 5'9", certified 5'9". It went over my head. But sign up for the newsletter. Go to catcraveradio.com, top of the page, click newsletter, fill out the form, bada-bing, you're signed up, and I'll make sure you get you one this week if I have to bring it to your house. Okay? The newsletter, catcraveradio.com. Coming up, we'll take a look at rounds six and seven. No fan of the Carolina Panthers should ever have to go without coverage of their favorite team. That's how we see it. We are Cat Crave Radio. If you're a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, like me, coming home can be harder than expected. But it turns out I wasn't alone. At IAVA.org, there's a free online community of thousands of vets who've got your back. Whether it's managing the transition home or everyday stuff like finding a nice sweater for my dog. Sweater? Okay, maybe not that. Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. Join our community at IAVA.org. We've got your back. Brought to you by IAVA and the Ad Council. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Back to more CCR. We are back with part two of the Panther preview. We are still looking back at... um, Carolina Panthers 2010 draft picks. And um, we've looked at the first four, rounds two through four. And now we're down to the last two rounds where they had amassed a lot of picks thanks to compensatory picks as well as the picks they already had plus trading backwards, all that good stuff. So, uh, Yeoman, let's start with um, that first pick in the sixth round. It was sixth overall in that round, number 175 overall. Greg Hardy out of Mississippi. Wow, this kid fell that far. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love this pick. This is probably my favorite pick. Take the fact that, you know, he did fall that far. I think it's just one of those no risk and potential big reward. I mean, the guy can flat out play. Does he have some character issues? Yeah. And you know what? Those guys will not stay on the Panthers roster very long. If, uh, if those character issues exist and they, you know, continue into the National Football League. But I think this kid can play. I think he's got the size and he's got all the physical tools. And if you can take that and harbor that in and, and, and get something out of him, I think he can be a really good player. And like I said, I, I just don't think there's that big of a risk. A sixth-round pick to spend on a guy that, you know, I think has second or third-round talent, 
I thought this was a great pick. Great need and, uh, and a great selection by Carolina. And don't look now, but he has actually drawn comparisons to uh, <gasps> Julius Peppers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't like that one either, but uh, I just kind of brush <laughs> over those. <laughs> Not another number 90, please. Right, right. And then with our second pick in the sixth round, and I know you know I'm going to say this, and uh, anybody else listening doesn't know it yet, but we draft the guy with the greatest blonde mohawk I have ever seen in my life. Wow. If you haven't seen the video uh, of David Geddes playing against Wake Forest on YouTube, check it out, because every time on the sidelines he takes his helmet off, I'm like, dude, that is the yellowest, coolest, that, check out that mohawk, man, it is the coolest mohawk I've ever seen in my life, I mean, what, what, I mean, come on, that's insane, man, I mean, mohawk and all, I mean, I think the mohawk is worth the draft pick, don't you? Oh, you gotta be kidding me, Judge. Mohawks? <laughs> mohawks? Is that what we're looking at now? Okay, Marty Herney, we're drafting for Mohawks? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's got good size, 6'3", 270. He can put up a lot of great stats, so I think this is probably one of those picks where this guy has a lot of potential and that you just hope that he can uh, turn out of something. He's going to get a chance, though. You know that. He's going to see a lot of balls come his way in training camp and preseason. We'll see. Uh, playing at Baylor, you're playing against good competition. But as we all know, at Baylor, in the Big 12, you don't have a lot around you. So uh, maybe when you get some, some better talent around you, maybe David Gettys can shine, and uh, maybe you can be another one of these late-round draft pick wide receivers that shine because we've seen in the NFL, hey, you don't have to be a first, second-round wide receiver to still have a pretty good career. So it should be interesting, and I think he'll be a pretty good player as long as he shaves that mohawk. <laughs> See, you don't like the mohawk, man. I, I love the mohawk, but... Had he lasted one more round, I was hoping, like, you know, a receiver in the seventh, we get our Marquez Colston, but it didn't happen. And maybe he's got the speed, maybe he can return punts, you know, if he's shagging punts or kickoffs, I'm okay with that. But then, my God, we've already got enough special teamers as it is. Well, then finally, the the team, this is this is where, if I was if I was pissed off at them, this is it. Right here is where they really made me mad. It's not who they picked. It's who they didn't pick. At, at number 202, they take Jordan Pugh. It was three picks later that the Patriots take my guy off the board, Ted Larson, the center out of NC State. That's the guy I wanted, just in case. Sort of a, I guess, a security blanket for me. You know, you got a center just in case Khalil leaves after another season. But Jordan Pugh, supposed to be a decent hitter out of Texas A&M, a defensive back, uh, technically, I guess, a safety. Maybe that's the way he's being viewed. So... Your thoughts on Mr. Pugh? Yeah, I mean, he's an intelligent player, really intelligent player, bright guy, and I, and I agree. I think he can he can get in there and he can certainly lay the wood on some guys and it really makes you think the Panthers are really high on him. That may be why they let Chris Harris go to Chicago, uh, but we'll see. I mean, we're, there's you're going to sense a theme here late in this draft taking defensive backs, and I think Jordan Pugh's another one of those guys where he's just going to have to find his spot and probably going to have to cut his teeth on special teams. And then it got kind of weird. This just felt yeah. weird to me. We um we get Clawson in the second round. We get Armani Edwards, despite what the team wants to tell me. You're making him a wide receiver, yes. Still a quarterback. That's quarterback number two. And then the guy that we had been rumored to be working out or going to see his workout, and that's Tony Pike. We get him number 204 overall. And I would have been okay with this. I'm actually fine with this pick, except you've already taken two quarterbacks. 
Had you not taken Clawson and, and just waited until you got to Pike in the sixth round, I'd have been just fine. But you've got, you know, you're going to take another quarterback? I mean, how many times do you think you're going to send a message in a three-day draft to, to Matt Moore? I mean, hey, Matt, look over here. This is the third quarterback we've taken. I mean, come on. You know, what are you trying to accomplish here? Amen, John. I, I completely agree with that and couldn't have said it better. Just take that second-round pick and go get, you know, go get Golden Tate or go get a pass rusher. Go get a defensive tackle. Take that uh, that third-round pick. If you really want to trade back up and, and, and give away a second-round pick, go get someone other than a project quarterback slash wide receiver and then just sit back and grab Tony Pike, you know, with pick 204. I, I would have been absolutely fine with it. Tony Pike, you know, he's got a, he's got six six, great size. He's got a good arm. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but, you know, the draft preview show. This was a guy that I said the Panthers could take later in the rounds. He'd be a sleeper pick. I like the pick. I really do. I think Tony Pike's got a chance to be pretty good. But now he's in a crowded uh, crowded uh, quarterback lineup where he's got to fight for time, too. He may be the third-string quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's going to be the darndest thing I've ever seen. I mean, a team that doesn't draft a quarterback for Lord only knows how many years with the exception of Mr. LaFour's out of Louisville, and uh, suddenly in one draft, we draft three quarterbacks. <laughs> Go figure. Well, then the seventh round, I, I don't know. I guess, like you said, it, it's, it was a theme in the last two rounds of, of this, this draft for us. We wind up with all these DBs. Then well, I may as well just throw these guys both out there at the same time because I think their odds of making the roster at this point are not real good. It's about like hitting the Powerball unless they really look great. Um, Captain Munerland did it, but I don't know how they'll do. We take another Utah guy, R.J. Stanford at number 223, and then at 249 we take Robert McLean out of Connecticut, both listed as DBs, not necessarily cornerbacks or safeties. We'll see, but uh, probably more special team spotter or just training camp fodder. Your thoughts on either of these guys, and do you think they'll make the squad? I mean, you, you mentioned Captain Munnerlyn last year. I mean, Captain Munnerlyn was one of these guys that I think you and I could have agreed, oh, well, we'll just see if he even makes the team. And he turned out to be a, a pretty darn good contributor. I'll tell you what, you go over to YouTube and you look up R.J. Stanford, and they got this really cool video about him working out, and you've got, like, these Utah medical doctors talking about how he's the greatest athlete you've ever seen. But he's drafted in the seventh round, pick 223, so we'll see. And then Robert McClain uh, had a UConn, a guy, you know, playing against some good competition in the Big East. But, again, these guys going to be cutting their teams on special teams. If they can even make the squad, it would be great. But, uh, again, you're just looking for depth in your secondary, which I, I think we could agree they already kind of had. And, uh, and, again, you're just bolstering that special teams, which apparently is priority number one for Marty Ernie and John Fox. Yeah, we ought to have one hell of a special teams unit. Punts, kicks, it doesn't matter. We ought to be covered. I'm talking about, you know, we should have, I don't know, we ought to average like 45 yards of return on punts. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it. we ought to be that much better. Seriously, I mean, yeah, good this, Lord. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking, John. You know, they let Julius Peppers and Chris Harris both go, so this defense probably not going to be as good. So whenever they score – they're just going to kick onside kicks because they're going to have all these great special teamers. And as you mentioned, they better uh, take a couple kickoffs or punt returns to the to the house per game because they better have one heck of a special teams unit. Yeah, and since since our defensive line won't be that good, the quarterback pressure won't be there. The secondary's got to be exceptional because they've got to cover for a lot longer. So we got to have boy, a bunch we're, of. Boy, we're miserable, <laughs> aren't we? 
Yeah, a bunch of yeah, bunch of fresh legs back there to cover all those receivers, you know, because they're going to be running at you for a long time, kids. So absolutely, absolutely. Have some Gatorade. Um, okay, so it's um, it's time to grade this this draft. I was going to say this mess. Shall I go first, or would you like to throw out your grade, sir? you add to the mess and maybe I'll clean it up. <laughs> okay. So I'll create, well, actually I think the Panthers sort of created the mess. Now, <laughs> and I started, I, you know, I, I had all my notes down here in front of me and I'm going to grade each player. And, and, and like I was telling you before we started recording this, I, you know, I got to looking at this and I thought, okay, I, I, this shouldn't be too hard. And it honestly, it was, I mean, there, there are guys like say Greg Hardy, who I was, you know, going into the draft, you hear his name a lot, and you think, well, he could be a sleeper pick in the third or fourth round, would have at one time been a second, possibly a first, maybe. But, I mean, I like that pick, and and I'm I'm okay with the Eric Norwood pick. Wanted Armani Edwards, just not that early, and not to give up next year's second. I like getting Jimmy Clausen if he does turn out to be a good pro, and he's as pro-ready as everybody says he is. I'm just not sold. So, Honestly, I think there are too many just middle-of-the-road picks here. You overdid it at quarterback. You way overspent on Armani Edwards. Honestly, I had to go with a middle-of-the-road grade, and I gave them a C. Yeah, I'm going to go just a little bit lower. I'll give them a C-. I mean, there's probably, boy, there's maybe four picks, maybe three picks on here that I liked. I mean, I like the Brandon LaFell pick because it addressed the need. I kind of like that Eric Norwood. Initially, I really liked it, and then when you really look at where he's going to fit in, I'm not quite sure. I like the Greg Hardy pick because it is, you know, a little, little risk and uh, it could be a potential big reward. And then I like the Tony Pike pick, but the only thing about that is maybe you shouldn't have drafted Jimmy Clausen. So I'm going to go C-. minus. I just I think there's way too many question marks, and, uh, and I'm telling you, if, uh, if the Panthers don't produce this year, you know, Marty Herney and John Fox can look back at this draft and, and you know, they can, they can chalk this one up. There maybe reasons why they need to be let go. And you know what was so funny? I think it was Friday. Well, Friday was the day that, that you know, the Panthers turned the world on its ear and took Jimmy Clausen and, I mean, had us all going, huh? But what was so funny is that in the Observer, that night or early Saturday morning, up comes a little article that says this could be the most exciting draft in Panthers history. And, I mean, we still had six picks to go, you know, two full rounds. And I then I was questioning, I don't know how you make that the most exciting ever. I, I mean, yeah, we'll see how Clawson does. And if he turns into a franchise quarterback, it's the best draft they've ever had. I'll give you that because you've never had a franchise quarterback, not a real honest-to-God franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I'll give you that. But, I mean, how, in in your opinion, I mean, do you think it's, do you see enough upside possibly that it could turn into that, or are you still kind of, because, I mean, I go C, and you could wind up with an A or an A+. Plus. It, I, no, no you, you could. You absolutely could. And it all starts with Clawson. I mean, absolutely. If this is a guy that, that is a franchise quarterback like he was billed to be, you know, a top 10, 15 pick, why he fell that far, we'll never know. If he turns in and out to be that franchise quarterback, then absolutely, because there is no better position, uh, no more important position than, than the quarterback position for NFL franchises. My only thing is, though, I, I just if you're going to address the quarterback spot, 
I think next year was the year to do it. I mean, really, outside of Sam Bradford, and even he has had injury problems. Outside of Sam Bradford, I just don't know if there were top quarterbacks in this draft. I wasn't a believer in Tebow. I wasn't a believer in Colt McCoy, and I really, I'm still not really a believer in Clawson. But, yeah, you know, if he turns out to be a fantastic quarterback and Brandon LaFell turns out to be uh, the new number two and maybe even eventual number one, then, yeah, you can absolutely justify it. But uh, right now, I think there's a lot of fans upset with uh, the direction the Panthers are going. Well, we'll see. They say, what, three years before you can really grade one out. We'll give it until 2013. (laughs) Will we even still be here? We don't know. But (laughs) three more years, and I guess then we'll have to revisit this and see if we're still as mad then as we are now. And, And I know you and I are probably two of the very few fans because I've seen a lot of people saying, love this draft, so we'll have to... We'll have to give it time, and and then we'll all know for sure. But uh, Nick, I guess um, I guess as always, you know, it's been a pleasure being with you, even if it, this was just us, you know, griping at one another. That's okay. I feel better about myself. I just at this time I want to I want to do, do my best Matt Millen impersonation and say earlier in the show I was awfully hard on Armani Edwards, and it doesn't reflect on how I feel. And I'm, I sincerely apologize. I'll do my best Matt Millen there. But, uh, hey, it's been good, John. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, man. We'll see you next week. Yeah, you too. Carolina Panthers fans, we're always glad to hear from you. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. Your thoughts on the team or the show are always welcome at 206-350-9673. Catgrave Radio will be back in a jiffy. All-star fans, all-star content. Insider.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. Destined for greatness and bound to go down in history among the greatest shows ever. Or not. Welcome back to Cat Grave Radio. Our guest now is Darren Gant of the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald. Darren, I guess nothing's going on, right? It's good to have you with us. You know, as we're sitting here talking at 2.30, it's funny. I mean, I'd gone taking my son to the pool. We were, uh, you know, getting a sandwich, and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. I was like, son, it's time to go home. We got work to do. So, anyway, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Harris heading back to Chicago, and Chris scooped me again. I, it's funny. I was going to spend the year calling him CHNN because uh, him and his Twitter account let us know about Brad Hoover before a lot of people, maybe even including Brad Hoover, wanted that out but uh yeah chris is heading back to chicago and it's kind of interesting if it is as it sounds like at the moment for jamar williams a linebacker it tells you a couple of things i mean number one they still felt like they needed some depth at that position at linebacker and williams is a young guy you know more of a weak side guy and has made plays when he's had the opportunity, but he's been mostly a special teams player with the Bears. The other thing it's telling you is the Carolina Panthers thought Chris Harris was on the backside of a career, and they would have rather had Godfrey and Martin on the field at the same time than Chris Harris and either one of them. So, you know, I think it's, 
it's one of those things that people are going to have a reaction to one way right now. But I think when you start thinking about what Chris Harris was going to be a couple of years down the road in terms of his ability to, to run the field and cover the pass compared to the other guys on the roster, you know, I think you're going to look at this as getting some degree of value out of him while you still could. Well, I, I kind of like Sherrod Martin, and and I think you know old number thirty. I mean, he's he's shaping up to be an, an okay safety. I'm not sure that it's going to help us to to not have that headhunter out there in the secondary and a guy that's a leader like Harris is. It's hard to lose a guy like that. But one thing it's telling me, and this looks a little unusual because we thought, okay, we'll go into the season. It looks like Anderson and Connor will be you know competing for that spot. And, you know, they'll be on the opposite side of, of Thomas Davis, which was fine. And then we suddenly go into the draft, we pick up a guy in Norwood, and now we're doing this. So does that, I mean, it, I think the message ought to be awfully loud and awfully clear to those two guys that, hey, something is amiss here that, you know, you better get ready to, to, to fight your butt off in training camp. Well, I, I think as much as that, I mean, one thing is they said, yes, they said that James Anderson and Dan Connor were competing for the strong side job, but at the moment, Thomas Davis isn't going to be out on the field. So they didn't have another good answer at weak side other than James Anderson. So I imagine when they walk out there Friday morning for that first minicamp practice that your starting three linebackers are going to be Anderson, Beeson, uh, Connor, you know, with Jamar Williams then, I guess, backing up on the weak side and Norwood on the strong. So it's kind of interesting. They were really thin. That's the one thing. When they get rid of Nile Diggs, when they get rid of Landon Johnson, and and of all the, the cuts they made that people weren't crazy about, if you can find me somebody to – somebody to complain about getting rid of Landon Johnson, I'll show you a nut. But, you know, that guy offered nothing in two years. And, you know, now the guy they'll miss, but they just weren't very deep at the position as a whole. I mean, once you get past those first four of Davis, Beef, and Connor Anderson, the next guy in line was Morty Ivey who was kind of the winner of that rookie free agent linebacker derby last year with Jay Lehman and uh, and Anthony Haygood, and he kind of stuck around on the practice squad all year and got a one-week promotion there at the end as kind of a reward for his hard work. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about Morty Ivy. So, I mean, they needed bodies at that position, and, and they needed a lot of them. So I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting to me to get – you know, to get somebody who's a useful part for Chris Harris. And then, you know, I just think out of this whole trade, it says more to me about, you know, what they thought about Chris Harris a year or two from now than, than anything to do with Jamal Williams. Well, one of the things that I noticed, and we'll back up here and, and go back to the draft, because the, the, really the Chris Harris thing got on us suddenly uh, here on Tuesday. And so we back up to the weekend and one thing that stood out to me, and this seems a little unusual for this this organization, the, one of the Panthers' major tenets had always been character. We want guys with you know with enough football savvy they can play, but yes, they also have high character. It seems to me now, Clawson had a few question marks. Then Hardy, who sounded like a guy whose motor would run hot and cold, and may or may not be exactly that you know fit that panther mold does it sound to you like maybe we're sort of breaking that tenant that all of a sudden now we we're lowering that standard a little to bring in guys that we think have great physical ability well i don't know i think both cases both those cases you cited Clawson and hardy are more about 
straight football value. And, I mean, basically take the names off of them. They get the second-best quarterback in the draft at 48, and they got a six-foot-four, 280-pound pass rusher with the 175th pick. So, I mean, do, you know, does Greg Hardy have a screw loose? Maybe he does. Is Jimmy Clawson kind of cocky and arrogant and rubs some people the wrong way? It certainly seems like that may have been the case over the last couple of years. I mean, Clawson's a different kind of kid than they've ever had around here at that position. I mean, as long as Marty Herney and John Fox have been running this thing, quarterbacks have been kind of good soldiers. I mean, if you look, Rodney Pete, Jake DeLome, Matt Moore, I mean, not guys who, you know, walked in with an attitude because the kind of players they picked were never, you know, they were never catered to as stars. They were never groomed to be stars from early on. I mean, they were guys who were grateful for whatever they had. So, yeah, Carlson's a little bit different personality than anything they've ever had, but he's also of a different pedigree than anything they've ever had. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, this draft down the road is going to be defined by how Jimmy Carlson plays because he's got the opportunity to kind of take this job soon and make it his own. You know, and when I say soon, I mean within the first couple of years, not necessarily by September. But if Jimmy Carlson plays and he's got a little arrogance about him, I mean, nobody in San Diego wants to run off Philip Rivers. And while I don't know that he's all the way to the Jay Cutler end of arrogance, I mean, a lot of people in Chicago are awfully excited about him, too. So we'll see how that plays out on the field, but that's where this one's going to be decided. Yeah, and we'll have to see if he shows up in a stretch Hummer when he when he winds up here on Friday at the minicamp, too. But And, and everybody keeps talking about that they're, they're going back over the draft. They're looking at the Panthers draft and saying, okay, well, you know, here they got two wide receivers back-to-back, which is not true, and you know this as an App State fan. They drafted three quarterbacks, and when you bring in Pike, Clawson, and Edwards to bring in three quarterbacks, I think there's kind of a message there, even if they, if even if it was maybe unintentional. Maybe it's, maybe subconsciously you were sending a message to Matt Moore. I mean, he's got to be hearing this loud and clear. Well, it, the one thing I'll say about Matt, Matt had an opportunity coming off 2007 when he played so well down the stretch of that lost season. Matt had the opportunity to take that backup job and make it his own and run away with it. And Matt's training camp in 2008 was bad. It was very bad to the point that people wondered, what has this guy done all off season? And I think he lost a lot of confidence in, in the staff maybe at that point. And, you know, regression is the word you heard most often in, in terms of that year with Matt. And I think there's some degree of fear of that. But I think mostly, John, this is this one's more about correcting a mistake I think they've known they've made for the last two or three years. They've never had quarterbacks in the pipeline. You know, when Jake was, you know, still playing really well in 2005, 2006, that's when you started to know that, you know, coming up in the next couple of years, you better have somebody because it was unrealistic to expect Jake DeLong to, to maintain that for another 10 years. So, that's the one thing I don't think they ever really did is have anybody in the pipeline. And now they've got a couple in Carlson and Pike. I mean, you talk about Armani. I think he's here just to be a wide receiver. Now, that being said, I think Jeff Davidson would be foolish not to cook up some kind of special situation play for him. The guy throws too well. He's got a better arm than Tim Tebow, and there's no question in my mind about that. But I just don't think he's a 
I don't think he's a day-in, day-out NFL quarterback, but I think there are ways a smart team can use him. Well, Armani comes in here, you know who he's coming in here to replace in a few years? Steve Smith. I mean, that's the kind of football player Armani Edwards is. He is he is tough. Yes, he's small. Yes, he's undersized. But he's a tough guy who can take a shot and pop right back up and keep making plays. And that's what we've seen out of 89 here since 2001. And, and I think, you know, I was talking to someone close to Steve over the weekend about some things, and I mentioned that, you know, we are talking about this, that, and the other, and I said, the one thing I know Steve Smith will love Armani Edwards. He, you know, if you think back over the years, how Steve seemed kind of bristly about Dwayne Jarrett and the way he was working, and he made some comments about, why don't you go watch some more film? He will never do that with Armani because Armani will probably watch more film than Steve. And Armani will be out there working earlier than Steve will. So, you know, I think Steve's going to love this guy. And I think once fans get a chance to see Armani, they will too. Well, I know you were very high on him. I think a lot of people were. In fact, I I really shared your level of excitement about Armani Edwards, and I was hoping secretly going into the draft we'd wind up with him. But he's just a straight up football player. I mean, right. that's the bottom line with him. Yeah, so and I I guess he, he's a guy you've got to find a spot for because he's gonna he's gonna put everything he's got into being great. I think what and and I was surprised that a guy like Clawson was available at forty eight. And, I mean, you know, you got to wonder why teams like Cleveland, Buffalo would pass on him twice. So there's a question mark there for me, but the biggest question about the draft that they had was giving up next year's second. And I know there's the whole value thing, you you know, like you, you did with Everett Brown, you value next year's first as a second this year because that's the value it holds currently. But you're still giving up a second and choosing him in the third when he may or may not have been there. I think the odds are very good that he's still there mid fourth, so I don't. I guess that's well, the one question I, I, I had. I will disagree with you on that because I don't know if you were following me on the Twitter over the weekend, John. But I've talked to several scouts and personnel guys from other teams that were interested in Armani Edwards. And a couple of these guys, I mean, they know I'm an ASU guy, so we've been going back and forth about this for a couple of years. I got a text unsolicited about ten minutes after the Panthers picked Armani, and it said, and I quote bad word, I wanted him next. I mean, so the idea that, you know, if you want to believe they gave up too much to get Armani, that's fine, but if you base it on the fact that he would have been there in the fourth or fifth round, that's just dead wrong. I mean, there were six teams between 89 and 112 that he had had private workouts or visited their complex in the two weeks before the draft. So there were a lot of teams interested in him right there in that same range. And if the Carolina Panthers don't get up and take him at 89, he's not there for him at 112. Okay, well, let's say you're you're using that pick then if he's not available. If, if you use it and you're going to take him ahead of somebody else, I want to jump ahead of you to get him, that's fine. But if you're taking a polished receiver, a guy you're actually drafting as a receiver who's played receiver, he hasn't played a down as a receiver. Is that not a knock on the pick itself? Well, I think the pick itself is going to be defined by whether Armani Edwards can play or not. I think that's the only thing. I think, you know, when you judge this one down the road, it's going to be on what kind of football player he is, not what you had to give to get him. I mean, if he turns into the kind of football player that I think he's going to be down the road, then you won't mind giving up a a second-round pick for him. The thing I've told people over the last couple days, John, if Armani Edwards had come out of Greenwood High School and had to listen to everybody who told him he was too small to play quarterback, 
he would have gone to Clemson or gone to South Carolina and played wide receiver for four years. And I think if Armani Edwards plays four years of Division One wide receiver, you might not have got him with that second-round pick either. I just think the kids, everything you want in a football player, and I think of all the picks they made this weekend, I think it may have the lowest chance of disappointing people. One thing that I, I know that we always come out of the draft with, and it's the biggest question I always have, if you look back first, let's see who, you know, what did we need going in? Did we answer all of those? Did we Did we fill every need in this draft? And it looks to me like we left two stones unturned and that was defensive tackle and center because of the this whole 30 percent rule and ryan khalil possibly leaving us after a year so do you feel like we we left we left positions open or do you think maybe the way the team is seeing it that these youngsters can step in well i i think there are some young options uh at both spots i mean you know mckenzie bernardo would be your backup center at the moment. Now, he may be your starting right guard, but uh, that could be Duke Robinson, too. I mean, we'll see how that shakes out over the next couple of weeks and after we get through a minicamp next week or this coming weekend. But as far as defensive tackle, I mean, they've got a lot of young, live bodies, and we'll see if any of them can play. I mean, there are people in that building who think Ed Johnson is going to be an absolute steal. He's a guy who played well for Ron Meeks in Indianapolis a few years ago, had some off-field issues, and really hadn't played much in the last two years. Now, if Ed Johnson's got his head on straight and his weight in the right spot, he can help a team. And they certainly went out and made moves last year for Lewis Leonard and Tank Tyler with something in mind, and this was it. So if those three guys can play well and Corby Irving comes on, you know, last year's third-round pick who kind of got red-shirted with a uh, four- or six-week knee injury early in camp. But, uh, you know, if Corby and those guys come on and play well, you know, we'll find out. I, I think if not, you know, I think there's some degree of veteran presence it's always going to be there i mean if you needed a big fat guy grady johnson's or grady jackson's always available you know <laughs> come about the third week of august when training camp's almost over because you know you can go get you a hollis thomas or somebody like that but i just think they're they're kind of rolling the dice with these young guys leonard and tyler and ed johnson again and and they're going to see how that, that works out by the way, true to my word, I believe I promised you that I would have you on on show 109. Well, this is show 109, just just like we said. There you go. Well, keep me in mind for like 115 or maybe 121 too, you know, John. Whenever you got time for me, buddy, you know I got time for you. I will make a note of both of those numbers, I promise you. All right, sounds good, Chief. All right, Darren, I appreciate you being on with us again. We'll talk to you soon, John. I want to thank my co-host, Nick Yeoman. Nick, the show would just not be the same without you and your awesomeness. Follow Nick on Twitter at twitter.com slash nyeoman. My thanks to Darren Gant for being with us. You can find Darren's work both online and in print in the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to catcraveradio.com. Click on the newsletter link at the top of the page. After you do that, this quick and easy form is going to open up. Just fill that out. We'll keep you updated on all the show guests, everything we've got going on, basically what we have and what the team has, you know, the news. Again, go to catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the form. Yes, it's that simple. And we have been having a few issues on iTunes. We continue to have issues on iTunes. Bear with us. We apologize for all those problems, and yes, we're working to correct this, and it should be corrected very shortly. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash catcraveradio. You give us a follow, we promise we'll follow you back. And as always, give us a call anytime, 206-350-9673. Now look, don't let this whole thing about the draft being a week old now stop you from calling. Call us with any thoughts you have on the draft, the team, anything. Just leave us a message. We want to hear your opinions and let the world hear your opinions. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the Fan Sided Network. Check out CatCraveRadio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.